You're listening to Sermon Audio from Redeemer Church, where we are disciples of Jesus in life together, making disciples. To check out our other media, or to find out more information about our church, visit RedeemerSGF.com. Good morning. Good morning. Hope everyone's doing well this morning. It is a joy of mine to um, be invited to bring uh, God's Word and, and, and to teach um, from the Word this morning to you all. And, and as uh, Pastor Greg and some of the, our other brothers um, have already stated this morning, it has been a joy just to see the Lord work in Redeemer. And it has been such an encouragement to us Boulevardians um, just to see what the Lord has done. You guys have encouraged us to grow in our own faith. And, and I want you guys to hear that and to recognize that. And that is an amazing thing that the Lord and, and, and God should rejoice and, at, or, or you, you all should rejoice in God and glorify him because of that. So, um, with that being the case, um, we, uh, I'd like to be open up with a word of prayer and then we'll begin. Father, I pray that this morning you open up our minds and ears to hear your word. I ask, Father, that, that, that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, convict and encourage hearts that we would grow in our understanding and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And that, and, and that through that understanding, we may glorify you more. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So the biblical promise of assurance is one of the distinct truths that, that, separate, uh, that separates Christianity from other world religions. And sadly, biblical assurance not always is found among every Christian tradition. To the point where in some cases it's actually forbidden. Um, One theologian said the acid test of any version of Christianity Christianity is its attitude towards assurance. Assurance of salvation now must not be confused with salvation itself. For one can be saved in Christ without having assurance of salvation. Equally, one can have assurance of salvation without being saved. Now, assurance springs not from the power of positive thinking or thinking to oneself, don't worry, you're okay. But rather, assurance comes to us by the power of the gospel. It comes from truly understanding and trusting in God, in who he is, and the work that he has done for us in Christ. We call that faith, Christian. The very nature of faith, trusting in God and in his gospel promises implies confidence assurance is part of the christian uh, 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 part of the experience um, of, of trusting in the promises of a trustworthy god faith takes god at his word being fully persuaded that god has the power to do what he promised to do and so this morning we are going to look at three promises or truths of god that we can cling to That gives us assurance. In particular this morning we are going to focus on the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit. 
and his work as it relates to Christian assurance. The first of which is that Christian assurance comes from faith in the Holy Spirit and his administering work. Look at verses 1 through 4 with me. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Here, the apostle Paul makes one of the sweetest declarations of all of scripture in verse one, when he declares, there is therefore now No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me just say that one more time and let that sink in. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, most of you hear that and think that there is no condemnation because Christ has been judged for your sin. And that is true. If you are Christ, you are are not going to be condemned for your sin because Christ was condemned for you. But that's not all. You see, sin is condemning, not merely because you are guilty, but rather sin is is condemning because you were condemned to be ruled by sin. Apart from Christ, the dominion of sin reigned over you. You could only sin. You could only disobey it. Christ broke that power, Christian. Sin's power was put to death as Christ died on the cross for all who trust in him. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ because both the guilt and the power of sin have been dealt with by Christ. What great news is this, Christian? You are no longer under the guilt of sin, but not only that, you are no longer under its power. So how is it that we are freed from sin's power and reign over us? Well, it is because a change has taken place. For we have been liberated from the reign of sin. And look at verse 2. Here Paul, um, verse 2, where he says, For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Here Paul introduces the work of the Holy Spirit in bringing liberation. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, the law of sin and death, I believe uh, what Paul is referencing here is our enslavement to sin underneath the Mosaic law. You see, the, the law could only tell us what God required of us, but it could not change us. The law could not justify. It could not make us righteous. The law could never break the power of sin. The law could only show our need for a savior, but it could not save. Listen to Paul in in Romans chapter seven, verses seven through 13, where he says, where he says this, what then shall we say that the law is sin by no means yet, if it had not been for the law, it would not have known sin for I, for I would not have known what it is to covet if If the law had not said, you shall not covet, but sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. 
For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I, I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be the death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might, might, become, sin, might become sinful beyond measure. Now man under the dominion of flesh took the command of God and, 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 and because man was hostile to God, man did the very opposite of God's command. I need you to understand this because Christ's enemies and all who never embrace the gospel miss this point. That we are powerless under the dominion of the flesh to obey the law of God. The law of God can only condemn us. Those who, who think they can accomplish the law while still under the reign of sin and death can only sin when they try to obey the law of God. This is why the gospel is so offensive to those who, who are still dead. Because it tells them two things. First, it tells them that, that they are unrighteous and condemned for their disobedience to the law, law of God. Secondly, it tells them that they are powerless in, in themselves to do anything about it. We cannot, in ourselves, free ourselves from the slavery of the flesh, from the, from the slavery of sin and death. So the law is the law of sin and death. It cannot justify. It cannot bring peace with God. It can only condemn, while on the other hand, while the, the, the law of the spirit of life does the very opposite. It brings life. For the spirit of God gives life to the dead and calls into existence that thing, the, the things that do not exist. It is the spirit who reaches out and administers and applies to us all the blessings and benefits of being in Christ. It is the spirit that removes us from being under the reign of death to under God's reign of life and right and and righteousness. It is the Holy Spirit that takes the 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 atoning work of Christ and applies it to the believer. Look at the middle of verses three and four. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Paul is conveying a glorious reality for us here. He is saying that for the believer, God did what the law could not do. He is saying that God sent his son who became fully man and yet remained fully God and condemned sin through his perfect obedience, even obedience to death on a cross. Therefore, those who place their faith in Christ Fulfill the righteous requirement of the law, not because of their obedience, but because of Christ and his obedience. The glorious truth, Christian, is that the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to us because we are in him. And because we are in him, 
We are free from the law of sin and death. That is why Paul can say in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Or in Romans 5.19, he says this, For as by one man's disobedience, referencing Adam, the many were made sinners. So by one man's, uh, one man's obedience, referencing Christ, the many were made righteous. This imputed righteousness is why Paul can say, thanks be to Jesus Christ, towards the end of chapter 7, when he is describing the unbeliever's burden of trying to be justified under the law. Did you also pick up how this work is a Trinitarian work? You got the Holy Spirit who frees us from the law of sin and death and placing us in Christ. You have the Father sending the Son and the Son condemning sin in the flesh through obedience and his atoning work. Now, wow, in my book, that's awesome. So, Christian, my my hope is that you lay hold of this, that you marvel at this reality, that you glorify your God because of this truth. You see, some of you live under a fear of condemnation. You paralyze yourself from work for the kingdom Because you fail to trust God and the work that has been done for you. You fail to lay hold of of, of this truth. That the Father loved you before the foundations of the world. That Christ, by his atoning work and through the power of the gospel, which is the Holy Spirit, has redeemed you. Redeemed you not only from the guilt of sin, but also from its power. You see, some of you beat yourself up over past sins. Thinking that in some way your misery is some type of penance. As if you possess the ability through self-torment to atone for your own sin. Let me be as nice as possible as I say this. If that is what you think and you are a believer of Jesus Christ, stop it. Stop thinking that you can earn favor with God because you cannot do it. Right standing before God has been done for you. For God did it for you. For the Father orchestrated it for you. Christ executed it for you. And the Spirit administered it to you. Therefore, believer, you are no longer under condemnation. You are no longer under the law of sin and death. But rather, you are under the law of the Spirit of life. May you cling to that reality. And may you worship God because of it. Which leads me to my second point, which is assurance comes from faith in the spirit, for he has made us a new creation. Look at verses 5 through 11. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the minds on... On the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you... Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. 
If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Here in these verses, Paul, we see Paul referencing two mindsets, a mindset without Christ and the other with Christ. Everyone in the world has one of these two mindsets. Paul tells us in verse 5, For those who live uh, uh, according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And in verse 8, he tells us those who live according to the flesh are those in the flesh. This means that the realm in which they live is the realm of sin and death. They are governed by their sin rather than being governed by the spirit of God. Now, Paul uses the word flesh here to refer to our car, uh, to a carnal appetite, their sinful desires, their worldly pursuits, their material pleasures, their secular beliefs. Those of the flesh are, are, are set on these things. They have a worldly mindset and they do not seek the things of God. Now, the phrase set their minds means to be absorbed with something, to focus sharply on something. It is not just an occasional glass, like glancing at fleshly things, but rather living a life with a mindset on the things of the flesh. Their whole life revolves around living for the things of the world. This describes every single unconverted person of the world. They live according to the flesh. Their mind is set on the things of the flesh Now, this mindset is impossible to have for a true believer, and and it is complete opposite of what it means to be a Christian. You see see this stark contrast in the middle of verse 5. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds according to the things of the Spirit. Paul, Paul makes a clear distinction here, using the word but to mark a stark contrast. And and, and he is now referring to a believer. And and so the believer is one who sets his minds on the things of the spirit, which are the things that belong to God, such as the kingdom of God, the son of God, the word of God, the truth of God and the will of God. Those those who are according to the spirit have a totally different mindset than those who are of the flesh. They see the world differently. And have different affections and desires. The contrast could not be any greater. Any greater. Previously, brothers and sisters, we desired the things of the flesh. But now, we desire the things of the spirit. We cannot live according to the flesh Monday through Saturday. And then live according to the spirit on Sunday. When we are born again, we are completely uprooted. And replanted and given a new mind in accordance with the Spirit. And because we have this mindset, this new mindset, we have, been, we have a totally new worldview and perspective on life. For we now see with a divine and eternal perspective that brings about radical change in our lives. Not only are we given a, a, a new mindset, but... But, but through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we are made more into the likeness of Christ. That is why Paul says in verses 9 
through 10, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does, uh, does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the, the body is dead because of, the spin, uh, because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. In verse 9, Paul calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of Christ. Paul is communicating that the Holy Spirit and Christ are in perfect union with one another. Therefore, to have the Holy Spirit indwelt in you is to have Christ in you. Therefore, the the transforming work of the Holy Spirit changes us more into the likeness of Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. What is the new creation? Well, the new creation is that we are being made in Christ's likeness by the Holy Spirit. That, that is why Paul later on in, in verse 29 says, for those, he, for those that he foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son so that in order that he may be the firstborn of many brothers. You see, it is the Holy Spirit who comes to us as the power of the gospel and takes us out of, uh, out of death and sin and regenerates us and gives us a new heart with new desires. He gives us a new mind and eyes and ears to see that, so that we may see Christ and his work so that Christ's desires become our desires. For it, is the, for it is through the Spirit that we experience something of Jesus' disposition, such as his kindness, his gentle care, his love in our lives, his desire to, his desire to see God glorified and God worshipped. So as we continue to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit shapes our lives more and more, and Christ's desires become more and more of our own. For those of us in Christ are being made more and more into Christ's likeness because we have the Holy Spirit within us. Therefore, um, we can have assurance for we have the Holy Spirit and he is indwelt within us. And because he is within us, we are guaranteed to be changed into Christ's likeness because it is through his power that we are changed and not our own. And Christian, we can have assurance in the Holy Spirit's ability to do this work in us because, because the Holy Spirit, it, it, it is by that same power that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. This is glorious news. Okay, now, now to my third point, which is assurance comes from faith in the Holy Spirit. For he has given us a new identity. Look at verses 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into, into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, 
heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So, so what we see here is that we have been given a new identity by the Spirit. And this identity is that we have received a, a, the, the spirit of adoption, therefore making us sons of God. Now, in the first century, an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his father to further his father's legacy and name and inherit his, his, his estate. The adopted son was viewed no less than his non-adopted siblings, but was often held in the highest regard. So what Paul is saying here is that, believer, you have received the spirit of adoption. And because you are of the spirit, you are a son of the most high God, a son that is to herald God's name, a son that is to seek after his heavenly father's kingdom and a son that is that is also given an eternal inheritance. Christian, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, God looks at you as he does his very own. He looks at you as as he looks at Christ as a fellow heir. And the way that we know that we are sons is, is that we have the Holy Spirit. And he bears witness to us that we are children of God. By the fact that we cry out, Abba, Father. Which means, dear Father. Or, or in a sense of how we use, use the word in our language today, uh, it would be something... Uh, similar to dad or daddy. Now, I want to take a minute with regards to the term used here, Abba, Father. It is important because the Jews would have, would have never addressed God as Abba, Father. Even today, they do not use it to address God. But Jesus did remember, uh, but, but Jesus used it, if you remember. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it, it, in the Gospel of Mark, just hours before suffering a horrific death on, on the cross and on, be, uh, and, uh, and on our behalf, uh, Jesus cries out to God, Abba, Father, all, uh, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup for me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So the cry of Abba, Father, that Paul is referring here uh, to is, is not some half-hearted cry. Rather, it is a cry from a child, a cry from the depths of a child's heart to their father, who is their hope in the midst of suffering. So believer, we can have assurance because we have the Holy Spirit, because he, because, because he has made us God's children. And if we are God's children and he is our loving uh, and he is our loving father, nothing can separate us from his love. That is why Paul goes on to say at the end of this chapter, uh, he goes on to, to, to describe this beautiful love of God that has been given to us. Look, look, uh, beginning at uh, verse 31 uh, of chapter 8, where he says, what, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up, gave him up for us all. How will he not also with, uh, not also with him graciously give us all things? Who, who shall bring 
any charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who, who is at the right hand of God? Who is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, uh, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. So here is the questions before us this morning. Do you have faith in God? Is the spirit of Christ within you this morning? Have you trusted in Christ alone for your salvation? Do you live according to the spirit? Do you have the mind of Christ? Do you seek to honor and and, and see him glorified? Does your heart cry out to him, Abba, Father? Do you long to worship him? If you answered no, then you are of the flesh. If there is no part of you that says, yes, I desire to worship God, then the answer is that you are of the flesh. And you are condemned, hostile to God. And all that awaits you is not a life of peace with God, not not a life of everlasting love and affection from your heavenly Father, not a blessed hope of eternity free from sin and death, but what awaits your future, my friend, is death and ruin and misery because a day is coming where God will judge and pour out His, his eternal unrelenting wrath on the wicked for their unrighteousness. And, and, and all those of the flesh will be made to suffer eternally for their sin and rebellion against the Most High God. And so to those who are in the flesh, to you who are condemned in your sin, I hold up to you your only hope, and that is Christ. And and I call on you and I plead with you to repent of your sin and believe and place your trust in him. Cry out to God, for he is faithful and he will save you. Now, on the other hand, if you answered yes to those questions above, may you rejoice in your God, believer. For the Holy Spirit has blessed us with a great assurance. And because of him, um, our salvation is secure and there will be no condemnation for us. May you rejoice, believer, for the Holy Spirit has freed you and has administered the atoning work of Christ to you. And has made you a new creation and has given you new desires to love and glorify God. And is making you more and more into Christ-likeness. And may you rejoice, Christian, for the Holy Spirit has given you a new identity. for, For you are now a child of the Most High God, an heir with Christ. And one day you will be glorified with Him. What an amazing salvation. What an amazing gospel.
What amazing God. 